evening and welcome to the MG EVs Community Podcast, streaming live tonight, Monday the 13th of November 2023. We'll discuss MG EVs, hoping to inform and entertain you for about an hour or so. I say that every time, it's never an hour, it's always a bit longer. I'm Dave Stewart, Dave S on the forum, uh, currently driving a new ZS, the new style ZS Long Range. And joining us this week uh, from Wigan, Les Burrows. Hi, everybody. I'm Les Burrows, currently driving an MG5 facelift model, the trophy. And my wife drives the MG4 SESR. Great. Welcome back, Les. Uh, joining us from Devon is Tom Sedge. Hi, folks. I'm Tom Sedge, T Sedge, on the forum, currently driving the MG4 long range trophy you see behind me. Very good. And uh, hello to you again, Tom. And from the Charlie Group, MG, uh, the Innovations Development Manager, Miles Roberts. Miles, good to see you. Oh, good evening, everyone. Miles um, Roberts, CG, on the forum. Great. If you're watching live, thank you for joining us. And please click the like button and join in in the discussion in the chat window. As I've just said in my welcoming comments on chat, we will be looking over to the, the to the chat window as much as we possibly can today because it's a bit of a potpourri of uh, topics we've got uh, tonight lined up. If you're watching later, thank you for choosing to watch this video and please subscribe and get a notification for the next time we go live. In tonight's podcast, as I say, we're going to be discussing just about everything. The MG4, the MG5, the Z, ZS EV. Uh, we'll be looking at how sales are going. We've, we've been trawling through the the the, the uh, forum streams. We've been picking out one or two of the things that are arcing you. Uh, so I'll cover off some of the things I've noticed about ZSEVs. Uh, uh, um, we'll be covering off the MG4. And then looking at some general issues like the servicing, winter issues, because driving an electric vehicle is quite diff different from uh, in the in the winter. It's quite different from driving it in the summer, as we all know. And then we'll be looking at some of the MG4 uh, uh, unique things at the moment. And also just speaking about, you know, wh where are MG now? Where are we going? What's it looking like? And uh, what's the whole EV market looking like that? So... If everybody's okay, I think we'll just make a start on that. Just looking at sales, uh, a couple of weeks, a couple of podcasts ago, Miles, you were saying that MG are doing particularly well. Um, is that still the case? How, how are they doing versus Tesla? Yeah, so in the, according to latest sales figures, the Tesla Model Y is the best-selling um, car, actually, but also the best-selling EV in the UK. Um, the MG Four. Is the second best-selling EV, um, but when you look at um, private sales rather than fleet sales, the MG4 is actually the best-selling EV because a lot oh, of right. Tesla to company car users um, through fleet hire, whereas a lot of MG4s were sold to private individuals through PCP-type purchases and things. Um, Are the so, lease terms particularly good on the Tesla? Then is that is that why? No, it's just because a lot of a lot of them done through salary sacrifice schemes and things. So a lot of them oh, okay. companies that way, you know, to to do it. Whereas a lot of the MG4s are actually bought bought by private individuals and owned um, rather than rather than leased or salary sacrificed. Hmm. So um, 
Yeah, I think that um, the MG is doing very well. The MG4 particularly, um, the ZS EV sales have dropped off quite a long way. I think that's due to the large amount of um, competition that that is seeing at the price point because at the sort of 34, 35, 36,000 pound price point that it's now at, um, you've got obviously the BYD Atto 3, um, you've got um, the new Kona from Hyundai, you've got a lot of other, and then you sort of also get into low Tesla money at sort of 39, 40,000 pounds. Um, and some people are going for those obviously instead. So um, I think that the, the ZSEV uh, obviously was the top seller when we did this podcast a couple of years ago before the MG4 came out. The MG ZSEV was the, the biggest seller. Um, but I think that, you know, the people who bought those cars have all got them now. And the people who are new to EVs are tending to go for the MG4 because it's the one that has had the best magazine write-ups. And obviously it's also built on a exclusively EV platform, unlike the MG ZSEV. So I think that new underpinning architecture is with the rear drive, rear wheel drive, etc., has really sort of won it some fans in that sense. And it is eye catching. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a bunny car. Yeah, and I think that particularly with that twin level rear spoiler, you, you see one on the road, and particularly if it's obviously if it's tangerine orange, it, it stands out. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, I think that um, yeah, I've seen more and more of those on the road um, locally as well as you know when I've been on the travels. Plus, it's a great driver's car. It's a fantastic car to drive. Oh, it, it handles men. It's, it's very, really, very nice to drive. You know, one thing that MG's shown is that by the shift to the new um, modular platform is that yeah. they are built on this modular platform are all going to be far and away better than, than the original MG cars of the past, whether that's the, you know, the ZSEV that's built on the petrol platform, for example. Or the MG5, which again is available with an engine in other markets worldwide. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that it's going to basically be um, showing that, you know, when MG does launch new models in the UK, which we're not expecting any more this year, but obviously next year we've got the Cyberster coming in spring and we may well see the MG3 replacement coming at some point next year as well. Um, although the oh. MG3 replacement will be hybrid, not electric. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that was going to ask. Yeah, so it won't be on the same platform. What about the new ZS models? Is that so? Anything more on that? There's supposed to be a replacement coming for the ZS. Yeah, the time scales for that, I, I would imagine it's going to be probably just over 12 months away um, right. because we haven't had any news on it. Um, and is that, is that a refresh or is that a complete new That'll be a complete vehicle? new platform. Yeah. Um, right. And I think there's a, you know, there's a possibility that we'll see some new models launched within the range as well. So obviously, Oh, we've got Cybers to come in next year. MG3 mm -hmm. isn't really sold anymore because there's only a handful left of the old petrol versions. They're pretty much all sold through, so they're waiting for the new refresh version, which is, is a completely new... It's actually on this modular platform, but it's using the hybrid version of the modular platform. Yeah. So, um, when um, MG were, were working on this um, new platform, they designed it so that it would take different drivetrains, different front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, um, all-wheel drive, but also that it would be able to take different battery sizes and, and engines in there as well. Um, so the MG3 uh, hybrid that's due to come may lead to an MG3 electric in the future, but at the moment their thought was that the price point that the MG3 is aimed at, which is 
to the lower end of the market, should we say? So you know, typically it's been sort of you know sub twelve thousand pounds. If they want to keep it sub fifteen, they couldn't do an, an all EV version at that point. So they'd need to at the moment until battery prices drop a bit further. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I'm also hearing, and it's been noted by Artful in the uh, chat that uh, people are comparing the MG4 favorably to the Volvo EX30 as well. Because um, obviously that's a new platform, Chinese-built EV. Yeah. So um, have you had a chance to have a look at that yourself? I haven't. I've only just seen new, uh, magazine reviews. I've not actually sat in the car myself yet. Um, now mm. my wife's got a Volvo um, XC40, so uh, right. all-wheel drive um, as her salary sacrifice car. And she's uh, so she we were sort of looking at the X30, thinking, well, you know, she's got only a year to run on her XC40. Um, most of the time it is just her in the car, so she doesn't necessarily yeah. need such a big car. Um, she does right. like all-wheel drive because she's a district nurse, so she goes out in all weathers mm-hmm. and up to the season when that becomes pertinent. Um, because you can't just say to someone, sorry, we can't get to you because of the snow. You've kind of got to get as far as you can by car and then walk the rest of the way. So, um, so yeah, so she, we're looking at the Volvo EX30, but... I think it is. I mean, I'll have to see it in real life. But I believe it is quite small. I think it's more Duke size, isn't it? Than yeah, the, noticeably the boot and the rear are much more cramped. Um, the space in the front is good, but the boot's quite a lot smaller, legroom quite a lot less, um, and it doesn't, of course, have a driver's screen. It's it's Tesla-like, which some people love and some people hate. Um, yeah, sounds like console. Yeah, I think for some people, yeah. Are... Although it's a it's a vertical screen, I think not a horizontal, so it's slightly yeah. further over. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, yeah. Look, MG's done very very well. You know, we we started with MG back in 2017 as a dealership, and at that time, obviously, not the electric vehicles, but very soon after they launched. Um, but um, they've always shown that they are willing to innovate and to and to also to try and shake things up with price so you know when we were doing the when we joined in 2017 the original zs petrol uh entry-level model was being sold for something like thirteen thousand um, pounds mm. and that's a good way to to make waves in the market is to be undercutting everybody else and with the zs yeah. uh, mark one we were able to do those out of sort of twenty two thousand pounds for an exclusive model um a few years ago so the price has crept up quite a lot, but obviously the quality and the features have increased Brilliant. as well. Time, I think. The and other- are prices are prices stable? I mean, are there any? You're not hearing any rumblings about prices going up or anything like that? Because I know not people are worried. No, um, I mean, if they were going mm-hmm. to do it, it, would probably be um, maybe January or uh, yeah, it would probably be January. Really, they're not going to do it this quarter at this stage. What I thought. Um, Usually they set prices for the quarter anyway, so that yeah, it would usually be sort of just mm-hmm. like January that if they were going to do a price rise. But I think the way that the market is at the moment, as we were talking before we came on, we were about um, this cost of living crisis. Um, whichever way you dress it up, people haven't got as much money as they did a year or two ago. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, my salary hasn't gone up in the last couple of years, so you know, the ten percent per year inflation whatever we've had means that effectively I'm. I'm net down by sort of 18%. So it does make a big difference um, in terms of affordability for people of, you know, when they're looking at cars. And I think that that's MG's chance really is to keep um, 
not lose sight of the fact that one of the reasons why they got so many early adopters was the fact that they were the um, most competitive on cost. I think yeah, and, and still are, I think. Because if yeah. you look at the Volvo, it's four or 5,000 more. Some I, think, I think the issue you've got is that... Um, I think the issue you've got is uh, if you... Prices go up, you know, with the inflation and the cost of, of things and everything. But if you get to the point where, like Nissan, we have Nissan dealership, literally bolted on here next door to MG. And um, they've, over the last few years, have gone for a thing where they want to move the, the brand up market rather than competing with, um, I don't know, I guess, sort of, who would Nissan be competing? So it's rather than competing against like VW. They want to be more seen as competing with uh, BMW, should we say? And it's and it's it's a big it's difficult it's 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 hard to move those perceptions because when you've had a you know a Nissan Micra at six nine nine five that was, or you know a Nissan Pixo which was basically an Indian market car that was sort of you know nailed together and sold in the UK. Um, it's hard then to 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 get people to come back to you and go. Well, I know you, you remember us making some cheap cars a few years ago, but if you come back now, you'll see that actually we make really high quality cars. Uh, it's taken Kia a long time to do that. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Kia used to be thought of as really really low market, and now they've got the EV9 coming, which is seventy thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hyundai, same thing. You know, the the the, the Hyundai's from ten years ago are unrecognizable today, almost in terms of quality for what you see coming out of the uh, Hyundai factory now. Mm-hmm. And with um, Nissan has not made bad cars for years. It's not. It's made really good cars. But because they've been around so long, um, a lot of people still think of them as Datsun or whatever. And, you know, they know that they're reliable and they're not going to break down. But at the same time, given a choice between a Nissan Aria and a, um, I don't know, a BMW ix3 most people would assume that the bmw with a better finished car and the better driver car well actually having driven both i think that the aria is a, is a beautiful car it's got everything you could possibly need and it's really cost competitive but perceptions are hard to change yeah, yeah. Um, uh, jeff cartwright's just reminded probably just reminded less than me all the scoded jokes that used to go around in there. Oh, God. I, I, when I was, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, it was, you know, what's, uh, why do you have a heated rear window in a Skoda to keep your hands warm when you're pushing it? You uh, know, yeah. yeah. What's, what do you call a convertible Skoda? Yeah. You know. A skip. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there was all sorts. Have you I, I think, a Skoda, fill it with petrol. I think myself, I think, I think if you remember, if you go back um, only, only a few years, uh, one of the big things for MG was the fact that they had this um, incentives. They had quite a few incentives going at the time. And I know when I bought my first MG5, there was a lot of incentives going around, plus the government's incentive, of course, which is now gone. Yeah, and I, I think the five grand you could get off an EV, and now it's you know, yeah, and it used to be free home charges, and now it's nothing. So nothing, yeah. no, no. But I mean, I think if they start trying to increase prices, going back to Tom's question about when you think you're going to go up. I think they're going to be on a loser because there's too much coming through. I mean, you've got BYD now just launching, is it the Seal and the Atto and another one, a smaller one, Dolphin. Um, They're just being pushed onto the market now. They're literally going around the market now. They're going to be pushed. And that's more competition. 
more and more competition. Mm. I don't know what the prices are. I don't think they're much well, more different than what MGs are. One thing I don't think stands MG incredibly well is, and it's coming up to the anniversary, is um, MG brand has been around the UK for 100 years. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that, Absolutely. Know, for a lot, I think that's one thing that's done. And I think that other Chinese entrants into this UK market, when they look at MG as the starting point, go, well, MG can do it. You know, that's just mm. sake. We can do it as well. So BYD, mm. and we've seen this with Aura. You know, with the mm-hmm. um, Great Wall Motors, um, they'll they'll try and push cars into the UK and go. Well, you know, we're a Chinese car company and we make cars just as good as MG or anyone anyone else. You know, um, you're going to buy our car, aren't you? And what we've seen is that this doesn't necessarily happen because people, in the case of Aura, will go. Well, it's a it's an unknown brand. It's a thirty two thousand pound car that yes, it's got a nice interior. Yes, it drives well. But you're saying you've got a seven-year warranty, but you've only been in the company in the country a year. How can I know yeah. that warranty is worth any sort of thing it's written on? And how and do and you... it takes takes time to well, build that, out the dealer network, doesn't it? That um, same question has been raised about MGs, haven't it? This seven-year warranty. I mean, when you dig into it, there's a lot of the car, a hell of a lot of the car that's nowhere near guarantee for seven years. Yeah, um, the major components. Yes, I'll not argue about that. The major components are. Yeah, there's a lot, um, of, a lot of car man, uh, car warranties which are like that though. If you look at Hyundai's warranty, if you look at Nissan's warranty, it's all they're all the same. You know, there's yep. lots and yep. lots of get-outs because ultimately they don't want to pay out a warranty. Um, what I will say is that um, it's MG's brand which carries it through all of these sort of issues. Whereas if Aura or BYD or Neo, or any other sort of you know EV manufacturer that wants to come across from China to UK, mm. they've got the instant perception of it's a Chinese brand. If if MG had launched in UK as Sake, if they'd bought the mm. they yeah, if, if rather being called the MG four, if it was called the Sake Ding Dong, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, some sort of like yeah, you know, it would be a different story. It may well have struggled. A stereotypical <laughs> sort of Chinese name. It may well have struggled. It, yeah. it would not have, you know, it, no matter how doesn't matter how good the car is, um, the the prejudice of the UK buying public would be such yep. that it wouldn't take off. Well, the I have to agree. You have to agree. One one thing we should mention um, is that they MGR are still doing the affinity scheme, aren't they? The IS. Um, do you want to just explain that for anybody who? Doesn't know what it is. Uh, yeah, let me see if I can just load up the terms and conditions that I'm not talking out of place here. One second. Uh, That's a new thing you're doing, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's just it, it's, it's got to, it's got to the point where basically, if I say stuff now, it, it's it, I get a phone call the next morning. So uh, <laughs> it's just not worth it. Um, let's see. I haven't had to say. The views that Miles gives are the, the Miles' own views, not those of MG. We also have it scrolling constantly across the screen. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't um, had to say that for a few podcasts. But... Oh, uh, let me see if I can get you the latest pricing information. I don't seem to have it to hand. I'm sorry. Um, basically, Affinity is if you are a member of the MG Owners Group. Now that's not the same as the Facebook group or the MGVs forum, but the the MG owners group where you have a flat cap and you meet up on a Sunday in a pub car park. That's the um, 
one way you can get affinity, but also if you are a member of um, an emergency service or in fact any sort of public body like a council or uh, so nurses, police, fire, teachers, um, bin men, um, pretty much any, any sort of public sector job, um, you get to um, have what's known as the affinity pricing. So you get preferential pricing. It's kind of like a staff perks kind of thing. Like a discount, isn't it? It's a discount. It's a discount. But because it's a, an inc- because it's a, a selective discount to a selective number of people, um, it doesn't affect residual prices when it comes to cap setting the pricing. So um, it means that um, there are some deals to be had and it's worth to be this is this is also a thing with like you know, Fiat and Kia and Vauxhall and all these other brands, Nissan, etc. They all usually have affinity schemes or some sort of blue light discount or whatever. So it's really worth speaking to dealers if you're looking in the negotiation point of looking for a, a new car to to mention. You know, are there any discounts available for teachers, for public sector workers? For and sometimes it, it depends on the you know. Sometimes they might have a discount, but they don't have as much, uh, such a preferential interest rate. So it might be that the standard uh, offer that you make to the to people is that you know the car is let's say thirty thousand pounds and the APR is four point nine percent. But if you get the affinity deal, it might be twenty seven thousand pounds, but the APR is six point nine percent. So if you're a cash purchaser or you're buying from private finance, you save you know three grand. If you um, if you don't, it might work out that the monthly payments are basically the same as what they would have been anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's worth inquiring that way. But um, but yeah, no, there are some affinity prices. I was going to try and find the pricing, but I can't. Um, so speak to your local dealer or drop me an email if you want me to find it for you. And I'll find it some, uh, after the fact. But yeah, uh, affinity deal, you usually can save around sort of you know 8% or so, or maybe up to 13%, depending on the model. Um, which you know we're sort of talking sort of like potentially sort of two, three, four thousand pounds depending on the model of car. Um, but again, it's don't uh, ask your dealer to check which is cheaper because sometimes like because of the APRs and things it can make it really not any different. And um, but yeah, get them to investigate. But there are there are a, there are deals out there for affinity, and it also might mean, for example, with MG's affinity deal. Um, you get a discount on some models, but you also can get things like a free choice of metallic paint. So whereas mm-hmm. like your metallic paint might be sometimes 700 quid as an optional extra, yeah, you can get the um, metallic paint in for free and also a type two charging cable chucked in as well. So again, it's just, you know, ask about that depending on the car. Um, and- there are some good deals, I believe, on the MG4X power at the moment. I just can't find the pricing to show it to tell you. I'm sorry. And yeah, and the extended st- range, I think. Yeah. But what stocks like are they uh, freely available for, for a while? We were getting lambasted with uh, shipping dates, and you know, I ordered my car and it's six months overdue, etc. Uh, is it pretty much rock up to the showroom or now, or, or what, what are things like? Uh, I'm just having a look, see what we can usually they let us know sort of what the general um... they've certainly seem better than they were at one point I mean a lot better yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so we've got well out of the point where it was these um, uh, semiconductor issues we had a couple of years ago 
So that's all been sorted. Um, so I'm just looking through these sales bulletins to see if I can. I see there's been a little side chat going on about touch-up kits for cars. And Ms. Bell, 1111, is saying she can't get a touch-up kit from the, for a paintwork for, from uh, MG. dealer. If you uh, contact ChipX, uh, there's a website, ChipX. All right. E-H-I-P-E-X. Yeah. They can mix up any paint according to the code and the Perfect. pretty good paint. And, yeah. and uh, is it Slouch, Slouch List? Has come back with a suggestion for for them as well, saying uh, uh, you can get a perfect match from paint nuts. So there's there's obviously yeah. people well, out there. That's quite a few on the internet. It's quite a few on the internet. Yeah, yeah that's what I like yeah. about the chat going on there. Whilst we're blending, yeah, there's a lot more. There's a lot more on. Sharing information, which is really good. Just have a quick look uh, at these. Sorry, I threw that one at you a bit. No, like, I was looking at uh, finished pricing and find out. I've got the price guide up there. Uh, give some examples. So, term conditions. So, the current qualifying organisations are public sector, NHS, emergency services, local government, and government employees. Um, this is for the finished on. Uh, Plugging cars, second. Bless you. Nice to mute it then, I hope. Um, so um, what you get is, uh, so on the MG4, for example, the headline offers um, are 4.9% APR. But if you go for the affinity deal, it's 9.9% APR, but you do save sort of three grand plus. So on the uh, X power, for example, rather than it being 36,495, you end up paying 33,066. So it's 33,062 pounds. So that's obviously, you know, it's a saving of 2,857 pounds plus VAT. Um, so it's nine and a half percent off. On the lower models, you get 11 and a half percent off an SESR. So you're again saving sort of like three thousand pounds, including the VAT. Um, Archie's asking if that includes pensioners. I think I saw somewhere that it does. If you were an extra premium metallic and tricoat, or even matte paint, is available free of charge for affinity sales, um, and you get a uh, free Type Two cable as well. So yeah, on the MG Four. Uh, trophy extended range again becomes three, thirty-three thousand and sixty-six pounds. Uh, trophy long range is twenty-eight eight oh four. SE long range is twenty-six one four nine. SE standard range is twenty-three nine three six. Um, on the Do you know the answer to David's question? Does it do pensioners to ex ex uh, public sector also get it? If you get a pension from them, then yes. Um, cool. Uh, uh, mm, I knew that. MG5, you only get, uh, uh, well, on the SE, you get sod all discount, basically, but on the MG5 trophy, you get, so on the MG5 SE, basically because they haven't got any margin in it, you get 2% discount, making the transaction price £30,300. If you go for the trophy, you get a 20% discount, 
So wow. it means you can buy a trophy for 25,876. It costs you actually like four grand less to get four and a half grand less to get the trophy than it does to get the wow. C. So 25,876 is a really good competitive price for the MG5 long range, I think. ZSEV, um, they're offering 17 and 18% discounts on the SE and the trophy. So a long range trophy, for example, you're saving five thousand two hundred pounds. It drops the transaction price down to twenty eight one seven eight. Um, so if you're in a, if you're as I say if you're a cash customer, particularly, or if you can finance separately, you know, through your own bank or separate a lower APR than nine point nine, it might well be worth looking at that. It's a pretty good discount to those. Um, Miles, every podcast you put out intelligence, knowledge, etc. But Plough's actually complimented you on your sneeze. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you, you, you've landed. You've done it. I was, I was like, I was, I was, I was like, I feel my nose twitching. I was just like, I've, I've got to mute this because it, it's just going to blow straight down the microphone. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So well, while we're on, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, while we're on the ZS TV. Um, there was this thing in the press about uh, I, I didn't read the details, but you may some of you may know more about this car that couldn't stop. Um, yeah, the driver claimed the car couldn't stop. So, so here's the thing. So, um, all cars, petrol, electric, whatever, um, but particularly with electric cars, have um, we call split mu braking systems. So basically, there is a fail-safe. So in the event that one braking system goes down, so if, if, for example, the brake servo fails, you've still got friction brakes, you just have to press the, button, the pedal harder. Um, he was saying that it wasn't slowing down at all, and it wasn't um, able to stop, and he was stamping on the brake really hard, and there was nothing happening. There's only one way I can think that would happen, was if a brake hose had been severed, Completely, and all of the braking all fluid. All the fluid gone. And if the brake fluid's oh. gone, it doesn't matter if it's a petrol car, diesel car, whatever, that ain't going to do anything about it. What I would say is, though, even when you have an electric handbrake like you do in the ZSEV, pulling that and holding it, or pressing the button and holding it, whichever way it is, um, will put the handbrake on. Yeah. It will actuate the rear caliper, so it will put the handbrake. It'll, obviously, at 30 miles an hour, it'd skid a bit, but that's the truth. For uh, wouldn't it also go into neutral? Um, you could try and put it into neutral, but obviously if you're going downhill, that won't necessarily help you. But mm. you'd think B mode would be probably a good option to try and slow it down. Now, yeah. the, the thing was that he says they, they ran into the back of the police car. And then when it came and then when it came to a stop, it still wouldn't stop. So, but then the policeman got in and did something which made it stop. Now if that was the handbrake, for example, or the P button, or whatever it was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the only way, I mean, I do know of cars, not just electric, but other cars, that, you know, if a brake hose goes, you lose all braking. But that's kind of standard on, on most cars. Um, we did actually... Yeah. I mean, also had, there have been cases where people have being convinced they're braking, but they're actually hitting the wrong yeah, pedal. The giveaway is if the brake lights are on, because if yeah, the moment, yeah. as soon as you press the brake pedal, the switch will actuate and, and light the rear lights up. Now, if the police are saying that that light was coming on, because that doesn't mm. depend on the actual brakes working, that's just based on the pedal working. So if the brake lights were coming on, 
and he was doing everything right in that sense, then that would um, that would agree that you know that he was pressing the brake, but that there was some mechanical failure stopping the brakes from actually locking on. But there are, I say, if anyone ever in any vehicle gets into a similar situation, whether it's petrol, diesel, electric, or hybrid or whatever, um, just try and think of the other things that will stop your car. Typically, throwing your car key, car keys out the window is not one of them. Um, oh, he tried that, didn't he? Yeah. That's what the thing tried. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would stop the car. Um, but um, I've not read this report. I'm not saying this. Handbrakes usually a good one. If you're in a petrol or diesel car, it was a few weeks ago. Yeah. You'd use your gears, wouldn't you, to try and slow down? Um, yeah. Electric vehicle, use your B mode, activate your regen. Uh, if your battery's full and it won't do that, then yeah, um, pull on mm. the handbrake switch and that will lock the rear wheels. It might beep at you mm. a few times before it actually agrees to do it. To try and prevent you from obviously doing it you know if you've got a kid mm. in the passenger seat playing switches it will take more than just a simple tap to do it it will need holding but it will it will work now mg have asked for this car to be brought to them so they can investigate i imagine that's what they'll be doing i haven't heard any results from this um but the fact that they haven't yeah. been massive recall okay, and everything else then this is really suspect it's a one vehicle issue that's potentially okay. I think we should probably say just in our own defence. None of us know the direct uh, uh, detail of this. Oh, no, I, yeah, I'm just into, I'm, and uh, as such, we're only commenting as onlookers. So, mm -hmm. but yes, I my first ever car was a, a, a wee mini, and the master cylinder went as I went over the fourth road bridge for the first ever yeah. time, and that put the wind up me a little. So, Oh, I had the same thing on a Mark, Mark 1 Golf coming downhill to a roundabout and the foot went to the floor. All I had to do was pull the handbrake gently. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to stop. And it was uh, right around the corner was the garage. So I just drove straight to the garage <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and left the car and said, fix it. Uh, but it was it was quite frightening, but, but very rare these days. Okay, so we've got a few other things, quite a few other things to cover, guys. Um, Miles, uh, the, how's the MG4 doing? Uh, the, the the numbers for twenty twenty four. Any idea how that's coming along? I don't have any figures to share um, at the moment. We've got a next dealer sales meeting is in January, so I'll get the oh, annual figures from that. We'll maybe get a visitor uh, update on that. And somebody came up with a really good idea. Is the new ZS uh, refresh going to be built on the MG4 uh... platform? Yeah, platform. Yeah, all, same platform. All, all, new, all, all new EVs that come from MG will now be built on that platform. Mm -hmm. The benefit of um, the platforms is that you basically just you're making it a little bit longer, you're making it a little bit shorter, or you make it a bit wider, and it sort of just scales to to fit. So the Cyberster is on the same platform as the MG4. Yeah. Um, for example, which obviously is a completely different car, but it's yeah on the same platform. That's a basic job. So, as I said right at the start, I've been looking through some of the 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 threads on the forum, and I think we did this uh, a bit last year. We touched on it about the differences of driving in the winter, uh, uh, but I think it's worthy of just recovering again because some folk have been new to driving an EV. What I noticed a, a, a lot of was uh, folks saying, I just find it really hard to estimate my journey because the, the, the range varies so rapidly. 
And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, a, your car's colder anyway, so the battery's colder and the battery won't hold as much charge. The battery will charge slower, which you notice in, even in a rapid charge. But the thing I think is flummoxing a lot of folk is just how quickly and varied the range uh, status on the dashboard varies uh, and you know i've noticed it myself I, I pulled up the other day and i thought oh i've still got 40 miles on the clock i'll not bother charging until tomorrow i needed to nip out for something started up the car and i only had 15 miles you think oh my god where did that 25 miles go so how do you guys find it is there any uh, good regimes or or good practice that you you follow the only thing i'll say is that um I mean that that as we've we've termed it before on here, it's a guessometer. It's a guess based on mm. what the car sees as its consumption over the recent mileage. So in the case, Dave, where you've left the car on, you've gone left the heater on, you've gone inside to do something. The car said, "Okay, well, I've not moved anywhere, but I've used perhaps you know eight hundred watts, a thousand watts of of heating, um, just sat here not doing anything." Well, if that continues, there's no way I'm going to be able to do what I thought I could before. Yeah. Um, and in winter, the, the range will vary a lot because um, with outside temperature. So the batteries, lithium ion batteries, when they're, they like basically being as comfortable as humans do. So they like being sort of 15 to 25 degrees, ideally, centigrade. Um, anything much outside those parameters, and they, they prefer a little bit of cooling if they get too hot, or they prefer a bit of warming if they get too cold. Uh, and particularly when the temperatures get down to the sort of point where you're getting frosty mornings and so on. We're getting to that point where the batteries are getting really rather cold and the chemicals don't work as well and they don't get quite as um basically just not as as much of efficiency in the battery when it's cold um mm. so you don't get as much useful energy out of it and that means sometimes that you know you could go you could put your car away at night and it's you know 10 12 degrees and you're just on a long journey or even if it's a fairly short journey but your car's had a chance to warm up and everything else and you know, you see, you've got like, let's say you know forty miles range, and then the next morning you come to it, and it's it's one degree or, or colder, and the battery's cooled down a lot overnight, and the car's going right. Well, I'm going to have to seriously reconsider this because now everything that I know has changed, and within a mile yeah. or two, recalculated from forty miles down to twenty five or less. Yeah. And now, when we when when the MG4 first came out, um, a lot of cars had the intelligent battery heating defaulted to on. Mm-hmm which was causing, I don't think we ever really understood what the intelligent bit was, but it certainly sapped range because people were doing short journeys. The idea idea of it, the concept of it, whether it's different in reality is another matter, but the the idea of the uh, intelligent battery heating is that if the outside temperature drops below a set point, or if the battery temperature, critically, dropped below a set point, then it would actively try and heat up the battery pack. Now, the battery pack is, with the best way in the world, it's about 200 kilos of metal and other substances. Um, and it takes a lot of energy to heat up. You know, to heat it up by one degree takes an awful lot of energy. To heat it up by two degrees yeah. takes even more. Um, to heat it by 10 degrees can take an awful lot of, of, of temperature. But the, the important thing here is that this tends to show itself worse when you have short journeys because what will happen mm. is that if you've got the intelligent battery heater on and you set off with a full charge 250 miles range let's say in your um 
standard, you know, in your SE um, long range MG4. You're 250 miles range and the battery heater starts heating up as you're driving along. And all you see is a slightly higher consumption over the first 20 miles. And then the battery's warm and then it starts to even out and you don't notice that drop off as much. But if all you do is drive five miles or less into town, it's going to heat up the battery for, five, for those five miles, then go, and then when it stops, it's going to cool down a little bit again. And then when you get back in, it goes, well, temp, battery temperature is still cold, so I need to heat it up again. And it'll do right. the same thing again. Keep again. doing it. And it's so you're constant. losing a lot. You're yeah. losing a lot, yeah. And it's basically, it's like trying to, um, I suppose it's like do, constantly doing cold starts on a petro, an old petrol car. It's not going yeah. to mm. get to the point where the radiator even heats up. Yeah. Um, like running with a short cold all the time, isn't it, basically? Yeah, it's like yeah, you're, okay. yeah, yeah, you're basically you're massively increasing your consumption. Yeah, and of course, the only purpose of the intelligent battery heater is to heat up the battery to make it so that it can charge faster if you would stop at a rapid charger. Because really, it you know if you're only charging overnight and it doesn't really need point in having it on. So if you have no intelligent uh, uh, uh- is it true and also that if you do a long journey, it'll heat up anyway? So if you do a long yeah, journey, that ends to the charger. Yeah, yeah so yeah. batteries yeah. do generate heat as they are used. Particularly if yeah. you're accelerating fast, they're going to be doing chemical procedures to right. generate electricity. So they're going to be getting warm. So you kind of don't need it in that sense. But it, So you could use it if you were near a rapid charger and you were going to get there fairly soon, but you had long you enough to heat the battery. You weren't going to get there with sod all charge left. So you, you've got to... Yeah, but if you were at home, say, uh, well, I suppose you probably wouldn't if you had home charging. But if, let's say you don't have home charging. Well, say, you might want to use it. A hotel somewhere. You stop at a Premier Inn. Yeah. You get out the next day, it's frosty, and you think, God, oh, I've got to charge before I get home. Hmm. I'll stick the battery heater on and go straight to the rapid charger. Yeah, you know, that would this, then, is, this is exactly what Tesla's tried to do, isn't it? Tesla, Tesla look at the mileage and look what you've got left in the battery, and then they decide, they tell you where your nearest charge point is, and then they say to you, right, you go to your nearest charge point, you're heading for that, and they switch the battery heating on to precondition it automatically. Yeah, yeah. because so they the MG was all over the time. What you're going to do. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. know exactly what you're going to do. And, and because it, your navigation yeah. also talks to everything. The navigation system yeah. tells you where you've got to go yeah. and charge. And before you get there, at a certain mm. point, it will switch the battery heating on to assist yeah. with the charging. It does it yeah. automatically. In the and as well, worth pointing out that the battery heater will actually come on. If the battery's cold and you plug into a rapid charger, it will actually start heating the battery anyway. Yeah, yeah. So in many ways, the intelligent battery heating option is not worth using no. in 99 no, no, no. scenarios because it's yeah you, you can you're not going to use it you just you know you, you're only going to you're only going to need to use that if it and it was originally done for the scandinavian market where it's obviously typically for longer periods of winter is sub-zero mm. daily and drastically sub-zero a lot of the time so right um, i don't it, care what ev it is it no matter what make it is what model it is they all suffer in the winter with temperature drop with the temperature and mileage drops dramatically mm. in a mall some worse than yeah. others i mean the mg4 the standard range when it first came was the lfp batteries that right miles yes yeah, um was said to be better in this respect well it's not i can i can say it's not quite honestly it's no better than what the it's, yeah, if anything it seems like to suffer a little bit more uh, it, it, but, yeah. it does suffer badly in the winter really does suffer badly in the winter yeah. but 
But the great thing about it is you don't have to worry about charging it. Just stick it on charge every day if you have yeah, to. You get and it'll charge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not yeah. a problem where you're not thinking about, should I go this far with it? Should I go that far with it? You just stick it on and charge it. And, and the golden rule with all EVs in my book is, you know, charge when you can, not when you have to. I've said this before. Charge the thing when you get the chance to, not when you have to. Because when you have to, you get into that situation then where, well, your range anxiety comes in, it? Am I going to get to that yeah. charger? Am I not going to get to it? Interesting. So you charge about, when you can. Talk about the variation of, of, of the guesso meter. So um, I was driving my son's, uh, my, son, my son's learning to drive, my 17-year-old son. He's got a, a Fiat 500 1.2. Um, I drove it to the, he had to have some work for it today. Um, so I took it to my garage to get some stuff done and, and brought it back. And on the way back, I noticed that uh, it was down to about a quarter of a tank. I thought, typical, he's left dad to try and charge it, to fill it up with petrol. Um, but I looked at the uh, tank and it said, you've got 88 miles remaining when I left Burnley, which is 18 miles from my house. So I thought, well, I'm going to get there with 70. He can fill it up himself. And as I drove down the motorway, I noticed it dropped down quite quickly to about sort of 65 miles range. And then I got onto an A road and I went up a steep hill and it got down to about 60 miles range. And then I went down the hill and it went up to 150 miles on the guesso meter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then by the time I got back home, it said I had 82 miles remaining. I was like, I don't know why they bother putting them in, quite honestly. Guesso meters. Like that, that level of variation, if that was an EV, it would be, you know, brightly chastised on all internet forums everywhere as being completely ridiculous. But this petrol car, which just it shows, you know, sometimes I think people never bothered looking at it, or certainly they wouldn't watch it as they were driving. A, a range guess because because yeah. people sort of they look at it and go 88 miles oh, I'll fill it with fuel soon or they look at it and go 150 miles don't need to bother with that but if they'd seen it on this journey today and watched it like I did they'd have realised it was a random number yeah. generator yeah it is absolutely another thing that that comes up with the while we're on the topic of winter driving um, more people are reporting and this is true of lots of EVs uh, problems with the 12 volt battery. Um, so it's it's it seems fairly rare, but when it, it does happen to people that one day the car is just dead, um, and there's a call out to the AA, which you get with your uh, uh, if you if you keep servicing your with with MG, mm -hmm. you get your AA cover, and when you buy new, um, and they come out and they and they simply boost the battery, and everything comes to life, right. and then the car will charge the battery. Um, there's lots of things people can do about that, but do we have any insight into why that's happening with MGs? Um, it's it's happened on a lot of other brands. So again, you know, going back to Nissan, Nissan Aria had that issue um, with a lot of the earlier Arias that came across. Um, Tesla had it with a parasitic drain. I seem to remember the Model S a few years ago. Um, there was, um, and it's so I, I can't say it's just an MG issue, but what I will say is no, no, yeah. Um, when you charge your electric vehicle, it also charges the twelve volt if it's low. If if it's not doing that, if you're charging your car daily and the battery still comes down low, then there's some sort of parasitic drain. Or I seem to remember this was cured by a software update ages ago, so it shouldn't be an issue now if your car's been for service in the last two years. But there was an issue on one of the models. I can't remember what. Where basically the uh, the the battery was dropping in voltage, and it was a, it was an ECU that was basically not falling asleep. And it was right. so it could be a, like a bug in the system causing a drain. Yeah, so one of these yeah. um, I was basically not falling asleep, and so it was it was causing a drain. But I'm sure that got yeah. a year or two ago. So I, yeah. think I know people have reported sometimes loose battery terminals because they've been disconnected for transit yeah. but not tightened yeah. properly. Well, in that's two cases. In that, in that case, you need to 
obviously blame the technician that did the yeah. PDA. Um, Even things as silly as a, a boot light saying, it, you know, you might not notice the boot light's on. Yeah. And if it is, stu- if it is stuck on, if it's on for a while, it'll drain it. Take it down. Yeah, eventually, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the other thing is, is it true that if you leave it plugged in but not charging, it doesn't charge top up the 12-volt battery? Somebody said that to me. That it's once it's finished idea. charging, once um, it's the, car, the, the, the high-voltage battery is still disconnected at that point when it's plugged in. Yeah, so when the car gets to 100% but it's plugged in, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's no longer charging the 12-volt battery until you unplug it. So some people had left their car plugged in for two days or something and, and the 12-volt battery... Oh, with you. So, okay, so you're saying that if... Yeah, I don't know. It should that. do, someone should do. If the car... Yeah. I, I, I would have thought it would do, but I'm just asking... Uh, it should charge yeah. it from the traction battery. If it starts getting low for some reason or other, the traction battery, the car should realise that and charge it from the traction mm. battery, whether it's plugged in or it's not. Yeah, so maybe maybe it was a one-off case or a bug. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, another thing that comes up is the tire pressures. People are getting a lot oh. of TPMS alerts, and one of the things that is catching people out when they're switching their tires for winter and going to the garage is that these tire pressure monitoring system on the MG is pre-coded, so a specific tire and wheel goes in a specific corner of the car. So sometimes the garages are mixing them up, and then you can't easily redo it yourself. No, you can't. So um, um, there's yeah, you can. So MG only allows one set of valves to be coded for a car. So sometimes some manufacturers allow two sets of valves. So you have a winter set and a summer set. Um, hmm. I mean summer set as in wheels, not as in the county. Um, yeah, <laughs> and um, and yeah, wheels, but with the. With the valve types that they use on the um, on the MG, you can only have one valve per corner, and it's that one on that corner. So you say the valve number, which is like a hexadecimal code, A eight C three whatever. Um, that one is on the near side uh, front tire, and this one is on the near side rear tire, and this one's on the front the offside front, and this one's the offside rear. And if you switch them around. It's using a radio frequency to speak to that. Um, yeah. So it's that sensor. So the sensor's within the wheel. It's not got any sort of mechanical connection or electronical connection to the actual through the through the hub. So it doesn't know which position it's been put in. It could have been left in the boot for all it knows. But it's um, unable to, therefore, know that it's on the different axle. Um, and one thing is that this, the sensitivity of it. So the tire pressure sensors, I would say. If your readings are in bar, um, it's it's famously quite a, a thick. It's a it's a rough scale. Is bar you know two point two bar two point three bar is quite you know you can be two point two bar. You could be effectively um, sort of two one five up to two two four. Um, which means that it, it it's it's quite a widespread, really. If you're talking PSI, it's you know it's it's more than one PSI is a is a bar, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so point. So, um, so if you if you're reading it in in the bar gauge rather than KPA um, or PSI, then it's yeah, it's difficult to get it accurate, basically. Um, and yeah. the valves themselves are coded and written set on by the dealer you'll literally go around with the tire pressure gauge um 
which is quite an expensive one, you know, on the thing. It'll, it'll go in, it'll check the tire pressures, set them to what it says in the manual, and then um, he should reset the, the gauge so that it's showing the right, you know, so that each tire is on the right wheel and that it, it knows that that's the register pressure and you've confirmed that that's 235 kPa, whatever it is. But if uh, if he's not done that on PDI, or if your tire, if your tire's displayed in bar, and it, you know he might have set it in, in KPA, but you, you're reading it in bar, it might be that you know what you're seeing is well, it's, it's barely even dropped point one of a bar, but realistically, it's actually dropped like you know twenty KPA, so it's actually dropped enough to to then set the warning on. And can that threshold be set? The warning threshold, because people also are saying it's quite no. sensitive for some. No, um, but all I would say is that if you read it in KPA rather than bar, then you'll have a, you'll probably find that your wheels are are out. That one of them is low, even if it's right. only, you know, it might be to top it up. Yeah, yeah. Is this selectable, Mars? Can you select this different readings in the car? On the menu settings, you should be able to set. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it's on all cars, but you should be able to set. You, if it's I've never lost it. Units. Not seen it on the four. No, I've never seen it. No. So it's actually within the settings menu. Um, it's in bar. It's, it's in, the bolt in bar. Both of my cars are in bar, and I've never seen any difference. Anything different? It might, might, maybe if you change the all the settings to Imperial or something. Yeah. I, I thought it was metric. I thought it was. I'll find out because I, I thought it was flexible. Uh, when it happened to me, oh. uh, it was both the back wheels came on exactly the same. Yeah. Which uh, I thought, oh my god, have I gone over something? And there is, I've got a slow puncture. But once I got it home, I uh, and and uh, I think it's Filippo has just said there as well, or, or Artful maybe. Once you come into the cold, you do need to just top up your tires and check your tires because they, you know, again, it is they do respond differently and do need a bit of extra pressure. So all I did was top mine up to two point five. And I must admit, I, I even heard a voice similar to Les's shouting in my ear, read the manual. Manual. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That was the voice I heard. Oh, it's a fact, Lordy. Yeah. I was saying... At least, at least we're doing 2.5 and not just doing the old thumb on the side of the sidewall. To no, see. no. I, 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 oh, I, no. I had a digital. It cost me nearly £5, Miles. <laughs> um, so yeah. I then... I was reading the manual going, how the hell do you reset this? Because an old petrol card, there was a way of doing it. But it's so clever how to reset, reset it. You just drive for 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it resets it itself. Out, does it? And then it just oh, yeah. switches off the warning it lights once it's happy. It just switches itself yeah, off after it, a short it, journey. It's really nice to have the individual tyre readout. I mean, I come from VW Group where that... I mean, maybe now they do it, but for years it just told you some tyre is low. And, yeah. the, and you have to go yeah, around all, all, them to to yeah, all the VAs. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. But I, I guess the, where it can go wrong is if you go to a tyre shop to get your tyres changed and they don't check that you've got this sort of system and they just right. take all the tyres off, mix them up, stick uh, take all the wheels off, mix up, uh, mix them all up and stick them back on. You can get uh, one or two people have had that problem. Can I bring up one other winter thing? Um, and this always comes up, the condensation in the rear light bars of, of the MG4, and in lights generally. I mean, lots of cars suffer from this, but with the 4, you've got a, an enormous area, enormous volume, where you can get the condensation. And people are always wanting to know, how do I stop it? Uh, move somewhere warmer. Um, it's basically... <laughs> yeah, it's cold weather plus damp air 
Um, Nothing you can do. There's not really much you can do. So in the same way as, you know, I live in a a house which has double glazing and in the morning my son's bedroom, which is north-facing, has condensation on the inside of the windows. Um, My son's Fiat 500 is just ridiculous. The entire car is like a... It must. It doesn't have a leak, but it just it steams up for fun. Um, it doesn't have air conditioning, which which probably is a reason for it as well. To be fair, um, so you've got to have the heaters on full and also the windows crack slightly just so you don't pass out. Yeah. Um, as I found out today when I was driving it. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah the MG4 light bar it will get some conversation in it. It's not detrimental. It's designed to have holes in it so that it can expand and contract in the air without it cracking anything um it's also got a drain hole so that the water can drain out if it collects um it's just unfortunately it's unsightly but it's not detrimental to the operation of the vehicle again in the zx when you drive away in a cold morning the windscreen fogs up pretty quickly and of course the easiest way to clear it is hit the fast demist demist which again is using up a fair bit of uh, battery, I would think. For yeah, I mean the thing. Just if the thing, the thing with um, so drying out an interior. So the way to dry the interior out best is to put the air conditioning on. Yeah. Air conditioning, as the name suggests, it's not air cooling. It's air conditioning. It's there to remove moisture from the moisture. Air. That's right. You've had it up and end up with a puddle of water underneath the car and it's been parked for a while. Yeah, because it's basically working as a dehumidifier. So. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Put air conditioning on with heating, which is what all it does with the mystery is basically it puts the heater on full, puts the air conditioning to full, oh. and directs it to the windscreen. Yeah. Um, if you do that um, regularly, then I, mean, I just I leave the air conditioning on all year round. Climate control, just press the climate control, set it to auto. Don't worry about it. Um, and yeah, yeah, you get slightly fewer miles than if you turn it all off. But you see it out the entire way, it's great. One other mistake people make is with the um... The airflow, um, they very often have it on recirculating. And you'll find out it misses up like hell when it's on recirculating. Yeah, because like you need to have that you need to have that through floor ventilation all the time. And it, yeah. it, when you sometimes people say, My car keeps missed it up and you have a look and they've got the light shining at them on the um recirculation button. And I say, What have you got the lamp for? Well, it warms up quicker. No, it doesn't. It's just the same. Yeah. That is stopping the pressure the- coming in. Yeah, the um, research, I, think, I mean, it's like with today when it's been chucking it down here. I don't know if it's been like that everywhere. Yeah. But absolutely horrific weather today. And I got into the car with um, a, a dripping wet coat, completely soaked to the skin, even though I just walked from the house to, to the driveway. Um, and, of course, my body heat is warming up that coat, that coat, which is meaning that the coat is evaporating the, steam, the water into the vapour and then it's condensing on the really cold glass. So the options are basically heater on full wax, air conditioning if you've got it on full and just try and dehumidify and dry and heat up the interior glass so that the glass then doesn't act as a big cold barrier. If you've got a, um, if you get a nice cold pint of beer on a hot sunny day, very soon you'll see water droplets form the outside of the glass. And thank God that's not your beer leaking through the glass. That's just warm moisture <laughs> in contact with the cold surface. True, true, true. And cold yeah. condensation. So the exact same thing happens inside your car. Um, your windscreen is acting like the pint glass. It's very cold, and as this moist air, particularly if it's from your body heat and your breath, comes out and it hits yeah. this cold stuff, it's going to condense. The only way to get around that is to heat the glass up or dry the air out or yeah. try and do both. 
And that there is another problem for the uh, low mileage in the winter because they're using the heater a lot more, the air conditioning, yeah, a lot, yeah. everything's being used a lot more exactly. than what yeah, it is yeah. in the summer. Yeah, in the summer you'd wind the window down if you had to do, but you won't do that in the winter when it's throwing it down with rain. No, yeah. but I do find that screen wipers. Yeah, the Ford does clear very quickly. At least mine does. Yeah, did it? Did it? Did it? The good car for Timus. Yeah, mine's the same. Old is the same. And the fire, the fire is even better actually. Just wondering, Miles, if there's any news on servicing packages. I, I remember when I bought my car, there was an official MG service package at one price, and then the dealer, uh, my local dealer, would offer me their version of that at a slightly lower price. Mm -hmm. Then I heard something about MG not doing their um, national servicing. And where are we? Because people are with the four people are having their first service, and obviously with the five and the ZS, so they'll be on their second, third, fourth. So uh mg had a service package provider basically all the service packages it's a form of insurance in a way so basically you pay into it and it's a pot that then builds up and that pays your cost of you if you're um servicing um mm -hmm. and i say it's like insurance because their hope is that they've priced it in such a way that they're not going to lose out but obviously in 10 percent inflation times it means that costs can go up quite dramatically and obviously with the you know wages going up with um, Particularly the increase in the minimum wage means that then a knock-on effect throughout the industry. So um costs can go up quite rapidly. And um MG and their service provider parted ways. Um obviously all existing policies are kept in place, but they agreed not to start as in new policies. Um and so um until MG comes up with their own service plan, um they are going to be um yeah, they're going to be basically a little bit stuck. So it's it's down to dealers like us that will offer a service plan through our own insurance-backed service schemes. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm just looking to see if... I can... That's only valid at that group or that specific dealer, presumably. Yes, uh, usually. Yeah, that group, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. all the group's service plan is valid at service because we've insured against our prices rising. Effectively, what it means is um, if we say that your service is going to cost £119 in two years' time, We've kind of got to stand on that cost even if the cost of the air filter or whatever else goes up massively then that's going to be um in terms of servicing costs uh just to give you an idea the current servicing costs uh, so the servicing standard service was introduced in 2021 at 15,000 30,000 45,000 60,000 75,000 90,000 miles or one two three four five six years um the ZSEV um, is uh, there's, there's two variations in pricing. I'll put this on the forum, it might be better. Um, the standard pricing is the first service would be at £90.35, the second service £170.32, third service £90.35, fourth service £200.80, fifth service £235.66, and the fourth, sixth service £170.32. Um, and the higher cost in that, uh, in you know, the fourth or fifth year is due to like the changing of the coolant system, for example, as the additional cost of the coolant there. Um, on the MG4, it's similar, it's 88 pounds in the first year, 177, 97, then 88, 07, then 211, 83, then 278, 62, and the 177 pound 97, year six. Okay. 
but there are also low mileage services. So if your cars have done like significantly less than 10,000 miles a year or 15,000 miles a year, so um, those servicing costs are, for example, on the MG4, it's £62 a penny for the first service versus £90, sorry, £88 and seven. Uh, second service is £98.43 versus £177.97. Third service is £62 and one pence versus £88.07. Fourth service uh, is £98.43 versus £211.83. But your five-year service, because you've still got a same change of coolant, is still £278.62. So, right. and that's you can save quite a bit if you're low mileage. If you're low mileage, but you have to be, yeah, you have to be sort of seriously low mileage. But, um, yeah, but those it's good that they've got the, the option there for low mileage services. So, if you are a low driver, you're not having to pay through the nose for your insurance for your servicing costs. Um, but yeah, so service plans are available from your dealer. Get a quote if you anticipate that you're going to be doing a low mileage, I think like 6,000 miles a year make sure that your service plan reflects that in the costs that you're seeing, because otherwise you might be able to, well, just paying the lower mileage. But also bear in mind how long you think you might keep the car for. So if you've got a three or four year PCP deal, for example, it seems reasonable that you might keep the car three or four years. If you're buying the car for cash, you've got a decision to make, how often do I usually change my car? Is it worth taking the service plan out over three years or five years or, or whatever, you know? Um, you're hedging you're about a service plan. Yeah, you, you you don't know, and obviously the dealer's hedging how much it's going to cost. So that makes we sense. base our pricing based on what we're seeing this year plus uh, an expected RPI. Um, right. So I'd imagine that you know you might see a slight you know if you if you looked at those costs today and you added them all up and then divided them by however many years payment, yeah. you might find there's a slight now, between what the <laughs> plan is and what because yeah. we're accounting for the fact yeah. that. Well, there might be, you know, over that three years, four years, five years, there might be, you know, attempts at increasing costs of things. Of course, those costs might go up. Now, now, what's the software of this? Because, I mean, one of the things that I, like I seem to remember being promised with the service is that you, if you haven't, otherwise you get software updates, the car modules, the infotainment. I mean, what, what what's the typical, what can people expect? So MG has said to dealers that if the car goes in for a service, um, then you ought to do service, you know, or do updates to those cars at that time. Let's see what if I can just find on here. If it actually says it on the actual service menu itself. No. Does that mean you get all or just the key ones or depend on the dealer or? There, know, are, there might be lots, you might have, might be like 30 updates since you, you bought your car. You update it, checks from every service. Well, every touch point, mm-hmm. every time the car comes into the workshop, whether it's for warranty yeah. work or service or recall or whatever, there's, there's five ECUs that should be checked for the software version and updated at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that happens every single time a car comes into the dealership um, because yeah. you're, you know, if somebody else is using a laptop at the time when your car is being looked at, it might be that they don't have a chance to get it on your car, um, but it should be certainly part of the service um, that those five ECUs are checked. Um, and I'll, again, I'll try and see if I can find. Uh, I've got both of my cars insured with Chialda Group um, on the service plan. On the yeah. service plan. On MG4, for example, 
there's a service action campaign that says on the MG4, you should update the BCM, the EVCC, and the FDR on right. service. So they've specifically put out a, a bulletin this year in July, which is before most MG4s would have been due the first service, and said when the MG4 comes in for a service, these are the three ECUs that should be done. And it's service action. So one of those would be body control module, presumably. So that's general car systems, doors. One yeah, so, um, uh, a charging system is one, I think. Yeah, so BCM is body control module, EVCC is the EV uh, charge, charge controller, and FDR yeah. will be the uh, fatigue driver response, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, yeah, so people who had a very early four yeah. might remember the driver nag warning. Uh, if you looked away for a second, you got bung and uh, the car got a bit cross. Yeah, on the trophy. Yeah. Only on, on the trophy. Only on the trophy. Yes. Let's, yes, yeah. let's have a moment to think about the bongs. Oh, oh, yeah. You remember the bongs well, Dave, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, got, I've got my, my MG4, our <laughs> wife's MG4, I should say, coming into Charlotte next week. And I've mentioned this before, Miles, um, that uh, the car that we have, we don't have any problems with the um, lane keep assist mm-hmm. resetting itself all the time. It stays off. It's off and it stays off. And that's the way we like it. And I'm going to be asking when I take it in next week, uh, it's boots in for next Monday, I think, um, if they can possibly leave that alone, leave it alone. Because we don't need yeah. it. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you put a post-it note on the dashboard saying... I will. I will, I I will be doing this, Miles. I'll be doing this for a few yeah. things, actually, because... Um, well, the issue be is, is it often, and it depends how thorough the technician is and how much time they've got, often yeah. they will look at it and they'll go, okay, I'll see what updates it needs. Yeah. Okay, there's 20 updates, right, let's work our way down them. So I, I, mean, would, I, would, no, I would post it note on the steering wheel or something fairly obvious. So that exactly, what I, exactly what I did last time it went in for something. Um, they put a note on the, on the uh, steering wheel. I'd have given a note to the service receptionist and it got done. I must admit it did, it was fine. Hmm. But... There are a couple of things outstanding. There's a warranty issue, which is still outstanding, on quite a few MG4s, as far as I'm aware, and I don't know if you know any more about it. And that's the undertray. The undertray underneath the motor, bulging and buckling. Mm-hmm. There's like two big lumps underneath ours, and nobody's ever been in touch to say, we've got your replacement, or it's going to be replaced. So I'll be leaving a note about that as well, so I'll look, I'll look at that again. Because they have looked at it in the past, and they said, it's at specification. And I said, no, it's not. Well, anyway, we'll see what happens with that. But um, the other good thing about the service plan, going back to what we were saying about the service plan, is this. Um, <clears throat> the updates, as Tom's just brought up, apparently get done on the service, which you've just confirmed, man. And the other thing as well is the uh, breakdown cover. You know, the, uh, yes, the, uh, the assist. Yeah. That so, is in place as long as the car's been serviced, as long as you have the car. Which is what I was informed, anyway. Yeah, as long so as you, you have the, the car, it's the service. service renewed every year if you get an annual service. So basically, it doesn't matter if you've got the plan or not, as long as you pay for a service at an MG dealership. An MG dealership, yeah. They will. Yeah. So uh, even if you have the low mileage plan, which we said was what, like 50 quid, you get a year's breakdown coverage. That's right. That's right, you do, yeah. Pretty well, much 50 quid if you were to go anywhere and get it. So I good. never knew there was a low mileage thing because... We just took the service plan out when we got when we got the MG4 and the MG5. Took the service plan out on that as well, and I didn't know there was such a thing as a low mileage. Nobody told me that, so it doesn't matter. It only came in like 
a year or so ago. It's not. It's not. Yeah, a... well, it's what it is. It, it's we we pay it every month, and that's it. Forget about it. But um, yeah, there's a couple of things that's good about the service plan. Very good about the service plan, and I think it's worth the money. Quite honestly. Yeah, I think it's people I, I think it's you know that. As what I like about it as well, and again, when we're talking about a time when people's budgets are being squeezed, mm-hmm. yeah, when you're initially talking about this, oh, it's going to be an extra eight pounds a month or six pounds, whatever it is. Um, the service plan, you go, oh, correct, you know, well, my budget was this, but the thing, but then would you rather pay eight pounds a month or would you rather pay 275 pounds? Yeah, or you well, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, that lump to pay out. I think it's it's as a budgeting sum, I think it, like I say, it's a little bit more than eight pound a month, but at the end of the day, I still think it's good value for money because for me to take AA cover out on both cars, well, I don't even know one car obviously, but if I just take the AA cover out, you're talking about 100 and odd pound a year. Hmm. I'm not paying that for the service, hmm. I'm only paying about that for the service plan, probably a little bit less. Yeah, so it swings around a bit. It's and for me, it's, yeah, a it's a good, it's a good deal if you haven't got breakdown cover with something else. Yeah, so well, bank good. accounts and stuff like that very often have yeah. breakdown, yeah. but it's only basic breakdown cover you get with that. So yeah, the absolute yeah, basic roll side. It's a good level of cover. Yeah, yeah, it's roll side, yeah. and at the end of the day, that's all you get with it. But with MG cover, they will take you to the dealership if it breaks down. They can't shift it. They'll yeah. take it to the dealership. Simple as that. Um, it's good in that respect. I think anyway. Yeah, I think the whole package. I do take the service pack, but I think uh, you're getting your uh, roadside assistance and everything renewed when you yeah. stick to the service plan. That's great. That's nice. And the other thing is as well, if you check it to a... I mean, I had a, I've had a, a, a mechanic for donkeys years who used to do all my cars, petrol cars I'm talking, not diesel cars. Um, but when I got the first MG5 that I had, he said to me, he said, you know, I can't do anything with this, don't you? So I said, what do you mean? He said, well, there's three reasons. So I said, what's them? He said, one, I know nothing about them. He said, two, I can't get the parts from. He said, and the other thing is, there's no way MG is going to give me the software updates and I wouldn't know how to install them. Uh-huh. And he was right. And, you know, I said, well, I'm sorry, but thank you for all the years I've had you, but I'm going to an electric. And I went to the electric. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've been very loyal. When, when I got my first MG, the only place I could go to was down in Falkirk, which mm-hmm. is about, about 100. And, oh, Archie will tell me exactly how far away from Inverness is. It was about, probably about 160 miles. Right. So it, was quite a, it was a day out to get my car serviced anyway. So this is the first time I'm using the new um, uh, dealership in Inverness. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Was, mm. I had not a bad word to say about Falkirk. They were, they were great. looked after me very well. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I've seen the time. Heavens above, we're we're, uh, we're blithering on here a bit. Uh, so what we need to do is have a look. Is there any more updates on the MG4? Miles, is there anything? There's a, there's a room the, 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 at the moment, I'm afraid. Sorry? The one thing people keep asking is about software versions and things, but yeah. I don't know if you have any current information on I don't know. There's, there's different software versions for SEs versus trophies, which yeah. confuses things slightly. Um, I don't know what the latest versions are. I will try and find out for the next time we do one of these podcasts. Um, my my guy I usually speak to at MG, um, uh, Mark, who I refer to, and he's the guy that sorts out all the issues with like you know the iSmart app, not working, things like that, um, has been out of the country um, for the last couple of weeks. So I haven't had a chance to sort of catch up with him. So I will try and sort that out and um, and find out version numbers and things. We'll have to do that in another another podcast, I'm afraid. 
Yeah. Have we got any further into MG is still actively developing the software, fixing bugs. That's continuing, is it? There's, you know. There are uh, improvements made, um, which uh, may or may not have a, an, an effect on you know the enjoyability of the car. Um, I can't mm. say that they you know that there's bugs in the system, but there are if they identify improvements that can be made, they do do. So can I ask, is there any updates on the uh, situation with the MG5 uh, regarding Tesla superchargers? Um, I don't know. I'll try and ask the question. I know that there's obviously on the on the four and the ZS that's working. I'm sure the four works. My I've tried the four. I'm sure. I'm fine. sure. I'm sure we've. Bible is this the facelift or the non-facelift five? The non-facelift would never charge on the Tesla supercharger. It's never been designed no. to do, but the facelift does or should charge on the, on the Tesla supercharger. Basically, some, some people have success and you and other people have One or two had success with it, but a lot haven't. Right. A lot of them a lot I'll of trouble. I'll ask the question, I'll come back to you on on a future podcast on that. Because it's uh it's becoming um well at the end of the day. Tesla superchargers at certain times of the day are cheaper than any others. Yeah, good value. Yeah, right they can time. well be cheaper than a lot, of, a lot of the others, you know, Instavolt and uh, Podpoint, all the rest of them. Yeah, they're all dearer than what Tesla are at certain they're times. They're around 50p of peak Tesla. Mm. Mm. Having just had a, a holiday down in northwest England and uh, north of Wales. Uh, sorry, Les, I drove right past your door, probably. You should have called for a cup of tea, Dave. <laughs> I would have come in for a charge. 79 pence per kilowatt yeah. hour around yeah. the charges. Yeah, it can be. It well, can be. Well, 85. I, 85, some. I don't want to come over as a stereotypical Scot, but 79 pence. We haven't got charge play Scotland here. Uh, it's a great pity, you see. You're still getting a lot of it free yet. No, not much now. Not no. much now, no, but you have been up until recently, haven't you? Still, you can pick up a 30, 35 pence or whatever, depending yeah, yeah. which yeah, local yeah. authority operates it. But uh... Yeah, and Artful on the chats just reminded me that the Tesla, if you can also subscribe and you get a 36p yeah, rate. That's right. Tesla, yeah, you can. Yeah, And the good thing about Tesla is you know you're always going to find one. It's always going to be working. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, that's I mean, the thing, the thing with... Uh, some of the others, I mean, Instavolt's pretty reliable, and and um, I I think it's pretty reliable in my my usage anyway. But uh, Tesla, I took the MG, I took the MG five to three different Tesla superchargers, which were so called open twenty vehicles, and none of them would work. And then I took the MG four to one that I'd already done with the MG five, which was at the Manchester Trafford Centre, and the MG four just sailed through it, no problem at all. But the MG5 doesn't yeah. want to know. Yeah, Just I'll ask a question, Well, um, the with regards to public rapid charging tariffs, I updated my list the other day of doing some training with staff at work. And um, cheapest now joint really with, well, Tesla's cheapest off peak, but yeah. grid serves the next cheapest at 65 pence. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. it's Ionity, believe it or not, at 74. Mm -hmm. uh, then BP Pulse, MFG, and Osprey are all 79. 79, aren't they? The Bolt's 79. Yeah. Instavolt's 85 and Shell recharges 85. Mm -hmm. I caught a glimpse mm -hmm. of myself on these podcasts about three years ago, and I think I actually said the words, I don't care how much it costs me as long as I know the charger's going to work, which I rude <laughs> as I was going, 79 pence. 
Yes, it did work, yeah. but come on, guys. She was... One thing that sprung to my mind, Miles, whilst you were on the topic of things you could come, maybe come back on, um, X, MG4X power owners. Well, the one thing that I'm hearing is about this hum or vibration that some people perceive at around 70 when driving the car on a motorway. Um, and it bothers some people and not others, but they, but nobody seems to know what causes it. Well, I've not noticed it in my admittedly brief time driving a MG4 X Power on like two occasions. Um, but mm. um, I'll be honest, at the point when I was doing 70, I did also have an M, uh, BMW M2 trying to catch me up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'm not aware of anything. I've not had anything brought to my yeah. attention, but I will try and have a conversation. Yeah, thank you. Well, this thank is you. just the X Pole, is it, Tom? Yes, because it has the two motors. Yeah, people have speculated yeah. it's something to do with the resonance between the two motors, but yeah. it's hard to know. It doesn't seem idea. to be the tires or the wheels. Um, it doesn't seem to be something aerodynamic. Um, it's got a strange oh, rhythm oh, to it, which, you know. But I've I, never, again, I've never been in one. Some, but not others. Okay, I've never been in one. I wouldn't know. Okay, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. I'll just do a quick bounce around to see if there's anything. Uh, Les, have you got anything more that you wanted to bring up? Mm, apart from the... Well, I'm waiting at the moment for a new windscreen. Um, windscreen cracked on me a few weeks ago and uh, oh. can't see any damage on it whatsoever. Um, and I rang the MG dealer, told me to only go and see for three months, and that was all. So I got in touch with the insurance company. They put me in touch with Also Glass. They've had a look at it. They can't see any damage on it whatsoever. Can't understand why it's cracked, and it might be thermal. I don't know. Um, but the parts are difficult. They're having trouble getting a part, getting the right part. They got me a screen. On the four or the five, sorry. On the five. They got me the screen. I went last week to have a screen fitted, and when I got there, he had it an hour and he come back in. He said, I'm sorry, we can't fit. This is the wrong screen. So they've reordered it. And I'm supposed to be going on Wednesday, I think, this week to have it fitted. Mm -hmm. um, so he said they're having trouble getting the parts. And somebody else on the forum uh, had a problem mm. with a, a, a damaged windscreen and they couldn't get a part for it. So the part availability doesn't seem to be improving much, really, I don't think. One thing that has improved is the recalibration. I think um, they, I did hear somebody say that they've, um, the window people have finally got the right software or the right system to calibrate. Uh, because at least with the four, you have to calibrate the system after you change the screen. You do with the five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was some, they needed the right version of the software to be able to do it. And that was mm -hmm. an extra. So people were getting the screen, but then not having their uh, driver assist systems work because they didn't have them correctly calibrated. So that, that does seem to have improved. But you still have to wait to get the parts. You still got to wait to get oh, the keep, parts. Keep us posted on that one, Les. Yeah, if you do, I'm hoping it's going to get done this next week. I'm hoping it's getting... It's gradually creeping a little bit further, I've noticed. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't been using it much recently. Yeah. Tom, anything else you want to chip in with? I'm oh, sorry to chip no, in. No, I think we've, <laughs> we've covered loads. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I'm just writing my email now before I forget everything. Sorry, Tom, have you got no, anything? Nothing else. No. And Miles, have you got anything you wish to bring no, up? No, I'm just I'm just writing an email to Mark now to try and cover off the things that we've discussed here. So hopefully I can have answers for those next time we have a podcast. 
Perfect. Ah, you, you always do very well anyway. So, Okay, so we'll wind it up uh, with my usual plaintive uh, request. Any MG dealers out there who want to support <laughs> or sponsor the forum, please connect with us uh, at admin at mgevs.com. I had to discuss the many attractive options I'm sure Stuart can offer you. Uh, before you're in, uh, before you go, if you are interested in Aura electric cars, the Aura Funky Cat is available now, and we've also got the Aura EVS uh, dot com, our sister forum. So if you want to know more about the Aura, please go on there. That's it for the MG EV podcast for this week. My very special thanks once again go to Les. Great seeing you again, Les. Thanks, Dave. Bye, everybody. And Tom, thank you, Tom. Thanks. Take care, everyone. And as ever, a huge uh, thank you uh, to, to Miles from the Chorley Group. Thanks, Miles. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. And I've got to say thank you to the chatters and the top chat. It's been absolutely brilliant tonight. There's been so much going And I love this new thing where they're saying where they come from. A couple of Scottish people on there. And I like to see that. Um, but uh, if you found the podcast useful, please click on the like button. And also, if you subscribe and click on the notification bell, you'll get notified the next time we're going live, which is particularly useful because we are changing the day and uh, uh, trying to react to things uh, as, as they crop up. So we will be back very soon. Please keep us updated on any uh, the items that you wish to discuss, uh, whether through the forum or uh, get in touch uh, with us. And we're also very, very keen to hear from anyone from uh, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, Asia, wherever uh, there's MGs being driven. We would just love to hear from you. Uh, we've lost one or two uh, of the touches that we had with Australia and uh, Vietnam, etc. So we'd love to hear back from you. So that concludes it for, the, for tonight. There will definitely be a podcast before Christmas. So see you all very soon. Bye. <laughs>